Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And that is incredibly good news. You know, some of the most difficult conversations that we can ever have with Jesus come when death draws near. Our minds recoil at the thought of death. And it's for this simple reason, we were not created to die. We were created with eternity in mind. As we're born into this world, as kids, we don't really have any concept of death. Even when we hear the word and we learn it and we, we slowly begin to understand it, we, death is as foreign a concept to us as snow would be in the middle of July. But as we get older, something changes. Maybe it happens gradually. Maybe it happens all at once. But however it happens, we have our first real experience and taste of death. For me, it came in high school, the death of my friend Michael. And as I look back on that, which was for me my first real experience with death. I remember the shock more than the grief. I remember the, just the unreality of the news when I'd heard that my friend Michael had died. That was the first time I'd experienced that, that incredibly thin but seemingly unbreakable wall in time that separates life from death. You know, I began that morning, and Michael was alive. I could talk to him, we could hang out, we could go camping together, and then I got word of his death, and, and just like that, it was all gone. All the promises and hope of the future. A day that had begun in joy was now swallowed up in grief and sadness. And it's for those reasons that Easter is so incredible. Because Easter, this day that we're celebrating here in this moment, is the opposite of that. A day that began in sorrow and sadness and tears all those years ago ended in uncountable joy. And at the eve of it, we have this conversation between Jesus and one of his followers, Mary Magdalene. And it's a conversation that because of our experience with death, that we all have as well. Now, a couple nights ago, many of us gathered together here for our Good Friday services And we heard there, again, everything that had led up to this moment. How Jesus, on that Monday, Thursday, after celebrating the supper with his disciples, after washing his disciples' feet and leaving this example for them, that just as he had served them, they should serve one another. How after that meal, they'd gotten up from the table, they had gone to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And how... Jesus had been betrayed by one of his close disciples. And then how he was arrested and everybody deserted him. Peter denying him 
three times. And then we heard again the account of how Jesus, upon his arrest, he was taken away, he was beaten, he had to suffer through a sham of a trial. And after having been declared guilty, even though he was innocent, how the beam of the cross was placed on his shoulder, the wood splintering into his bare skin as he carried it up the hill to Golgotha where he would be hung upon it. We heard again how even in this moment of suffering and agony, Jesus remained true to himself and the mission that God his Father had given him. Even here in the midst of his deepest pain, he was still reaching out in love and mercy to those around him. To one of the criminals hanging beside him, he said, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. To those on the ground below him who were responsible for him being hung on that cross in the first place, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then he breathed his last. Our service was over. And like me, you left through these doors, you climbed into your cars, and then life continued as it always has. The pain, the sting of Good Friday, it washes off our shoulders so quickly. And I think it does this because we weren't there ourselves to experience it, number one. But we also know that for as dark as Good Friday was, that the sunlight we see here this morning was coming. That Jesus would be raised again after three days. But I want you to try to place yourself in Mary's shoes, in the shoes of the disciples again this morning, just for a brief moment. Imagine that you don't know how all of this unfolds. And to do that, you only have to think back to that first real experience of death that you had. Someone you love who was an integral part of your life and the news that you got and all of the feelings that you felt as the hopes of the future were were taken from you. This is how Mary and the disciples felt on that Easter morning. Because Jesus had told them, he told them three different times on three different occasions that he would rise again from the dead. They didn't believe it. And who can blame them? They didn't have any context in which something like that could happen. They didn't believe it. And so Mary, when she went to the tomb on that first Easter morning, she didn't go in hope. She went for the same reason that so many of us go to the gravesides of those that we love. She went to be near the body of her Lord, her Savior, her friend, and to mourn privately. She couldn't go the day before on Saturday because it was a Sabbath, a holy day. But as soon as she could go, early on that first day of the week on Sunday, she went to the tomb. But what she found was not what she expected. The tomb, the stone that had been rolled in front of this tomb, it had been rolled away. And so she ran quickly to tell the disciples what she'd seen. 
and how she'd found Jesus' grave. John and Peter, upon receiving that news, they raced each other to the tomb and they looked inside. But for them, they didn't see anything. The place where Jesus had laid was empty. The grave clothes were lying there on the ground. And they went away perplexed, still not quite understanding what had happened. And Mary stayed. Mary stayed weeping and mourning the loss of her friend. And then Jesus came. But she didn't recognize him at first. Jesus came and he asked her this question, the same question that the angels that she had discovered in the two moments before had asked. Why are you weeping? It's a familiar story, but when you step out of it for a second, that is a really odd question to ask of someone in that place in that moment. If you ever find yourself in a graveyard and you see someone weeping over a gravestone, probably the last thing you need to ask is the question, why are you weeping? They ask this question. Jesus asks this question of Mary because he's now standing on the other side of the resurrection. He knows that what she will soon discover is that death, which seems so final in our experience, is not. He asks her this question. She doesn't recognize him yet. And I don't think it's, you have to chalk it up to anything miraculous that Jesus' appearance is somehow hidden from her. I think it comes down more to the fact that it's, it's hard to see clearly through grief and tears. She manages to sob out a question. If, if you've taken him, Supposing him to be the gardener, she asks Jesus, if you've taken his body, just tell me where you've laid him and and I'll take him away. And then Jesus speaks one word that changes everything. Mary, he says, calling her by name. A name that she'd heard from his lips probably hundreds, if not thousands of times before. And it's there as she hears it spoken from his lips, that the recognition clicks. She now understands that this is Jesus alive again before her. And in that moment, everything changes for her. That thin yet seemingly unbreakable wall that stands in time between life and death, it was shattered open as Jesus had stepped through it. Alive once more. And when you think about it, most if not many of the most memorable stories in the history of Scripture, there are moments like that. Moments where God comes into a situation that, from our perspective, seems hopeless and helpless. And He flips the script on what we imagine or what we believe to be possible or impossible. You think of the Israelites when they were rescued from slavery in Egypt. That moment as they stood on the shores of the Red Sea, penned in with the sea on one side and Pharaoh's army approaching on the other, feeling like there was no hope in this moment for them. Imagine being there and seeing Moses part the sea at God's command and walking through on dry ground with walls of water to your right and your left. I imagine that was one of those moments for them. 
Or that moment where these three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were tossed into the fiery furnace. You know, they made this bold confession, their faith in God. They were not going to bow down to any idol. Death itself couldn't get them to bend their knees. They fully expected that God could save them. But they also knew full well that if they were tossed into that furnace, it would be the end for them. And then there was that moment as they were tossed in and the flames from that fire didn't burn them. And they looked around and realized there was a fourth individual, one like a son of the gods, there with them in the midst of the flames. I imagine another one of these moments would have been the night Daniel spent in the lion's den, surrounded by these creatures. Or the moment where Jesus came walking to his disciples when they were in a boat in the middle of the sea, came walking on the water. That moment for the rest of the disciples as Peter stepped down out of the boat when Jesus called to him and he began walking on the water. And that moment as it culminated when they both climbed back into the boat and Jesus shouted to the wind and the waves, Peace, be still! And in an instant, it was calm. This moment in this conversation between Jesus and Mary, where he speaks her name, where that thin, seemingly unbreakable wall in time between life and death was torn open, that is just one of these moments that occurs again and again when God is present. After Jesus spoke Mary's name, he told her to go and tell the other disciples what she had seen, that he was alive once more. Man, I wish I could have been there. When she burst into that room, a room filled with tears and sorrow, Tears in her own eyes, but now tears of joy. Laughter on her lips when she proclaimed for the first time, Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. (laughs) Hallelujah. And maybe the disciples didn't respond that way in their shock in that first moment. But it would come. It was a transformative moment for them. And it still, that good news, still changes the world today. And it's the good news that this world desperately needs. Because we walk out of these doors every Sunday into a world that doesn't believe it. Into a world that really does believe that death is the end. That the best we can get in life is whatever, however many years we have here on this earth. But friends, you and I, we know that is not true. That the best is yet to come in the new heavens and new earth that Christ is bringing. And yet we walk into this, out these doors and into a world that is so full of darkness. It doesn't matter how sunny the day is. It doesn't change the darkness that exists in this world. A world that we see and experience that is so too far often filled with violence and hatred jealousy, envy, and strife. A world that we experience in very difficult ways as we struggle with fear and anxiety and depression and doubt. A world that we struggle 
to live in when it's our loved ones who are suffering from chronic illness. In a world that we struggle to make sense of when those who are closest to us die. And I believe it's for this reason Jesus told his disciples, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus wasn't going to sugarcoat anything for his disciples. As great, as incredible, as transformative as that first Easter morning was in Jesus' resurrection from the grave, he knew that the life that his disciples were going to lead as they followed him, it would not be easy. It would not always be full of sunshine and Easter eggs, that there would be dark days that they would have to endure. And he wanted them to know in advance, yes, it will be difficult, number one. But take heart. Because of all the difficulties you face, ultimately, I have overcome them. And through me, you too will be victorious. Mary, one word Jesus spoke. And as he called her name, Her life was changed. And it works the same with you and I. We, all of us, find ourselves in the midst of an ongoing conversation with Jesus. And it's a conversation that, like this conversation between Mary and Jesus, it really begins when our names are first spoken in baptism. Kelly, Andrew, Steve, Kristen, Sarah, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Sorry, I couldn't get you all in. We'd be standing up here for hours. But when your name was spoken in baptism and God's name was placed on you, it was there in that moment that conversation with Jesus began. And what you see as you walk with Christ throughout your life is incredible things. Moments like this moment that Mary experienced and all of the saints of God who've experienced them before. You'll see forgiveness offered for things that the world says are unforgivable. You'll see reconciliation and relationships restored in, in places that the world says those relationships are broken beyond compare, beyond repair. You'll see mercy and love extended where the world expects only judgment. And you won't just see them. You'll be invited to do these very things yourself, to offer forgiveness to things that the world, heck, even you and I might see as unforgivable, to work towards reconciliation, to restore relationships that appear broken beyond repair. And to offer that same love and mercy that God has extended to you to others instead of judgment. See, this conversation with the Savior that began when you were baptized, it continues. And it continues not until the day you die, but through that day into the day that never ends. And it is for that reason, this and every day, as we gather together, we do it And we do it with rejoicing because we can confidently say, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.